So it is a great time to be alive. Amen? It really is. Um, if we're not careful, we'll be so in the news, we'll be so in the media, we'll be so in what Scripture says, the flesh, that, we, that we'll miss what an important, wonderful time it is to be alive. With the signs and the times that we are part of, the Lord thought of you during this time. In your mother's womb, there's no, there's no accident. Right? And then to see you saved and brought up to such a time as this. And so it is difficult, yes. Difficult times. But it is a blessing that the Lord would say, look what my bride will do. Look what my church, look what, look what my kids will do during this time. We, uh, we saw this week that um, there's a good chance at some point that for us to come together that we'll have to wear masks. Uh, we don't know if that's going to happen or not. We're, um, my, my flesh is praying against that. Uh, for the biggest reason, to see that, that we would see such um, safety here, such healing here, such lack of sickness that we wouldn't have to do that. Um, but I'm also excited in what the Lord is doing. I believe He's doing something very specific in this time, and I don't know about you, but it has my attention. Okay? As a leader, as a believer, it has my attention. Um, the things that, that, that I am hearing as a leader that I'm seeing even in my own flesh on how I react to things, and I don't want to spend tons of time on this this morning because we need to go through Colossians, but, um, you know, just three months ago, four months ago, um, it's, we started this journey, right? And then for three months we couldn't meet. And now we, now we can. And I am so excited about that. I would fight for this. I believe it's sacred whether five people show up, two people show up, a thousand people show up, masks or not masks. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in this time and especially in my kids. Right? They're living through this and seeing if their parents if their church parents and family believe what they say they believe. And so I'm excited because people are, they're awakened. And we're, I'm excited to see what the Lord will do. Um, and this will, this will segue right into uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 14. We're going to look at this morning, kind of dissect it, and how we come alive as believers, how we need to be aware, and how we need to be walking in the gospel. So this this letter, which we call a book, is written from the Apostle Paul as he's in prison, and he's, he's writing uh, to the early church in Colossae, and he's wanting to know some very specific things, even though he has never met them. Uh, he, he believes that the Word of God is in them, and the gospel is doing great things, but he wants to equip them. So we really want to listen to this. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word, for your truth. Holy Spirit, open up our minds and our hearts to all that you have. God, you, you have our attention. I pray that we wake up. God, you are good. And we say thank you. Thank you for choosing us for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we want to talk about is prayer and intercession. He says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. And may that cut to our, our very inner being, our soul. May this wake us up greater than anything. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. It almost becomes cliche-ish in our culture and in our Christian culture to say, I'll pray for you. We take it for granted. We don't take it serious. Right? We say we pray for someone, but we don't always pray for them. Or when someone says, I'll pray for you, we're like, okay, yeah, everybody does that. Right? Mom does that. She you know, puts, a, puts your picture on the fridge and she prays for you. She keeps praying for you. And we take that for granted. May we wake up to the power that is given through prayer. Maybe you ask this, why, why should I pray? Why should I pray? Does it really matter when I pray? And these are good theological questions. You can, you can say, why should I pray? And if your heart is right, that's a really good, legit question. If your heart is bad, you can say, why should I pray? And does it really matter? And it'd be bad. So if I'm saying, why should I pray? And does it really matter? That can be very, a very good biblical question with a good heart. Right? Because we struggle with this understanding that God is sovereign and he's in control. So sometimes people say, well, why should I pray if God, if God already knows everything? Why should I intercede? Why should I have what was called intercession where I keep petitioning the Lord with other believers? Why should I do this? Why should I lay hands on someone if God is going to do what he's already going to do? Again, we can also do that with a very lazy heart. We should pray. Prayer matters, and God is still in control. We're going to look at all that today. James 5.17 says this, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. always love that passage as God teaches us about prayer. Is, especially in their culture, as it should be in our understanding of Jesus, Elijah was their hero. He was the man. And so they did like what we do. Well, yeah, the super spiritual people pray. And when they pray, things happen. Right, people that are really serious about God, they pray. They've got this gift. They just pray and things happen. So James is telling him, Elijah is a man just like you. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, that access in the name of Jesus, there is power. He also reminds us there's persistence in prayer. I mean, three years is a long time. Why should I pray if God's in control? And again, that can be a really good question if it's with the right heart. Because if we're to pray, we must understand that God is sovereign. He's in control. God does not change. It is a pillar. We have pillars back here keeping this building up. Don't want to move those pillars, right? This building will fall, right? Thank God for those pillars back there. Right? Every church building we've had, we've had a pillar, right? And they, get, and they get in the way of eyesight, so I never liked them. But, you know, for the structure of this building, I praise God for them. 
right? So there's a pillar. One pillar is that God's in control. Another pillar is that you are to pray and God will move. Why did God choose this? I do not know. You don't know. I'm not God. You're not God. If we're not careful, what we find is in, in, in certain camps of Christianity, we understand that he is sovereign, and that is good, but then we don't pray. Or we pray, but we forget that he's sovereign, right? And so in, in, in our church, what we do is we want to speak to both crowds. We have Democrats. We have Republicans. We have every walk of Christian uh, denomination you can think of. And we tell everyone, come under the same banner of Jesus Christ that Lord is Lord. Like we can learn from those that understand that God is sovereign. He does not change. But we can learn from those that are like, but we got to pray. we got to pray. And we can get so caught up in the pillar, which we need to hold on to this pillar. We can get so caught up in this, we won't, we won't leave it in the other aspects of the Lord and say, He's sovereign, so I'm not going to pray. No, because He's sovereign, He's in control. You pray because He said to. But if we're not careful... Then we're over here, and we're telling God what to do. But I want you to wrestle with that. I want you to wrestle with that because Adam of the Bible was asked to name the animals. The sovereign God said, well, what would you name them? What would you name them, Adam? Abraham was allowed to ask God to spare Sodom. And Abraham, or God listened. Still sovereign, still God. Daniel in the Old Testament had to wait for a messenger during his prayer and prophetic process. I still don't completely get that because I'm not God. But I can't let go of these two things. I do not tell God what to do. I, I, and, and some people get that because Jesus told us, you're going to do greater things than me. And many theologians uh, believe he means salvations. Right? But there's not, there's not a prayer or healing or something supernatural that's going to trump Jesus. I believe that the church can do powerful things, but, you know, we're not going to outdo Jesus, right? Sometimes in our, in our understanding of what that means, there's just not enough wrestling, okay? So I'm not going to give you all the answers today, but continue to wrestle and pray, believing that God will do the supernatural and that he's still in control no matter what, no matter what. God's in control. Your prayers matter to God. God makes the ultimate decision. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says I'll let you know. And sometimes in prayer, God seems distant. As believers and leaders in this church, we want to like, lead you guys and equip you guys into be prayer warriors because it's powerful and effective. We believe we can literally change government leaders. We, we believe we can change the world that we live in, right? Again, God's called this design to happen, not, not us. Prayer. Remember that Satan tries to limit your praying because he knows your prayers will limit him. So talk to God. Be a prayer warrior. When God seems close and when he seems distant too. Because if you believe in the sovereign God, he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. If you know Jesus, he is close, not far. That distant feeling is not God messing with you. It's not God saying, I can't be close to you, because Jesus paid for that on the cross, right? I believe God's saying, come on a little bit deeper. Come on a little bit deeper. I believe God is raising up his church right now 
to prepare us for greater things that will come. And so we must pray. And he says that he's praying for them, asking God to fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So today we want, we want to talk the second thing about spiritual wisdom. We are a people that need wisdom from God. And we need to be praying for our government leaders that they would have wisdom from God, whether they know God or not. John 10, 27 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You are his sheep. Know his voice and follow him. Dallas Willard, and he's a man that was born and raised in the Ozarks and, and wrote many Christian books and, and, and teached in Southern, taught in Southern California. He's since passed, but he says this, Few people arise in the morning as hungry for God as they are for cornflakes or toast and eggs. And as I said in the first service, man, you need some bacon in that statement too. If you're from the Vanover house, you have some bacon, because honestly I don't wake up for any of those things, but bacon, you have my attention. Right? Yeah, someone else likes bacon too. Right? See, get your attention. Talk about some meat and bacon. That was my fault, not their fault. <laughs> and I kind of liked it. So anyone have a, uh, a, listening, a listening problem? Like selective, selective hearing? Right? Whether it be your parents, whether it be your spouse. Right? I do this uh, to my wife all the time, and she calls me out on it. Um, where she has my attention if she'll talk about certain things. Anybody else's spouse? If your spouse is here, maybe you're, you're hitting them. And how many times that we do that to God too? Right? We do that to God. God has your attention if he speaks about this. But you are not God. He is God. We need to listen to all of it. We'll even teach in, in marriage classes like the five love languages. And that's, and that's a good thing. But it can also be a really dumb thing. Because <laughs> good marriages understand, man, communication is at the heart of every relationship. And what, one of the things I think that we're seeing right now <clears throat> with Christians is there are certain things that, that God is, is doing, and he has our attention for that, but we're not listening to him over here on this. How do you get to that point where, like, God, I just, like, I'm, I'm listening. Like, I know your voice. You pray. You intercede. You fast. You sit in his presence. And he begins to give us spiritual wisdom. I want to look at Luke 2, 25 to 35, and this was um, a passage of Scripture as a young man and a teenage boy in the church that, um, that always got my attention because it's so simple but yet so powerful. And it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And uh, this name Simeon, actually, his name actually means hear, hearing or listening. And why, why, why did that passage always, as, as a boy, just, just get to me? As a, as a teenage boy, 14, 15 years old, and I would hear preachers talk about this, right? Just how powerful God does some really awesome things and really simple things. Right? He knew the Word of God and the one who wrote the Word of God through people. He dedicated his life as a, young, as a young man. The Holy Spirit said, guess what? You will not die before you see the Messiah. We don't know if this was an audible voice. We don't know if it was in his inner being. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But think about, think about all the stuff that, that he probably was made fun of by other believers. Like, oh, Simon, you think you know every, you, know, you think you're that special, huh? What are you doing, Simeon? Oh, I, I was told I'm going to see the Messiah before I die. I go, good luck, Simeon. That's probably, I would say that to him. Like, good luck, dude. Good luck. Think about the ridicule. But then Jesus walked in. Whenever I think that story, I'd wonder, man, Lord, is this, do you speak to his inner being? Do you speak to his mind? Do you speak to his spirit? Was it audible voice? Sometimes I think, well, if it was an audible voice, I would probably be just way more faithful. Anybody ever say that? Lord, if you, man, if I could touch, if I could touch your skin, man, how would I, how I would believe. And I, when I would say that, I'd be the first to say this morning, if God chooses to speak in an audible voice, I'd say sign me up. If God wants to manifest any way he wants to, I'd say sign me up. But John 20, 29 says this. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Right? So Jesus was telling the disciples, man, you've seen me and so you believe, but there are going to be those that come after you. He's talking about us and those after us that have not seen Jesus in the physical ways that they did. But watch how blessed they're going to be. I'm not saying that God won't speak in audible voice. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. But we also can't deny the fact that he has spoken in such incredible ways already. Are we listening? James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You need to hear the Lord's voice. You need wisdom. Scripture would tell you, to ask and continue asking and continue to be in the presence of the Lord. And so, what does that look like? What does that look like? We praying, interceding, hearing the voice of God, having spiritual wisdom. We live in a day, right, we need some spiritual wisdom, right? People, we need to know what's up. We need to know what's happening. And I believe that we can. I, I don't believe we have to stay in the dark. I don't believe we have to just not know what's going on. But the Lord does say that we have to pray and seek his face. 
And he says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So I want to break down some of those things that it looks like. And all these things are actually also a part of fruit of the Spirit. Spend time with God. As a believer, in his word, in his spirit, praying, believing, there's fruit that comes. One of them is endurance and patience. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3 says this, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Endurance and patience. I'm not talking about patience where you just sit on the couch. I'm not talking about patience where you don't do anything. But endurance and patience together. Some of you guys are are runners out there, right? You understand, like, long-distance running. I, I quit after a couple. That's my long distance, like, two or three miles, and I am gassed. Some of you will go and go and go. So you understand endurance and patience together. Simeon underst- understood endurance and patience. Joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. A lot of, a lot of people say during this time, and almost like shameful to say it, because we see there's so much pressure on our economics. There's people uh, that are sick, um, people that have lost their jobs, relationships, whatever. And they're almost uh, like have shame to say, but you know what? During this time, I've been so blessed. I've had person after person say, my finances have been great. I found peace. Right? You can find joy in difficult times. Paul writes this while he's in prison. Guess what? If we understand the biblical understanding of joy, you can have joy even when your bank account has zero, when your relationships seem rocky, when you don't have a job, and when you're sick. Right? The world spent tons of money on things that would give them happiness. But if they had the Lord, they would understand they could have joy even when they don't feel happy. I'd love to win the lottery one day. Anyone want to win the lottery? It would be awesome. I, I think the Lord could uh, bless me with that, and I'd do good things. I would. Hope he's hearing that prayer. But we won the lottery with Jesus. Patience, endurance, joy. And it's there. Grace. We walk in grace. This world needs grace, a biblical understanding of grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this is from the Apostle Paul. It says, but my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, God's grace, his forgiveness, the fact that God can do more in the cross, God can do more in the gospel than I can ever think or do. If you look, yes, God does call us to action. He does call us to things, right? But you look Old Testament, New Testament. His greatest plan was God's people being faithful and God being the hero of the story and doing great things. It's called grace. forgiveness. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As I am walking in his endurance, his patience, his joy, the grace of the gospel, 
and come to his forgiveness. And this is something that Jesus says. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. As we pray, as we intercede, as we walk in spiritual wisdom, one of the greatest things that we have as believers is freedom. Freedom from the bondage of sin. You and I will always struggle with temptations because we're not God. We'll always struggle with hard places, but it doesn't mean that we have to be enslaved. When we understand the grace of God, we can walk in the understanding of the forgiveness of God. And as you have been forgiven, you will forgive others. And then verse 13 and 14, as we, as we close today, um, and house churches, we're encouraging them just like dive into this because this is deep. I could do a whole couple sermons just on verse 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And we forget that as believers. Man, and again, I, and I got my cell phone. I have an iPad up here too, right? I'll scroll through stuff later, right? Um, and I can get addicted with all that. Anybody else get addicted with that stuff, just what's happening? Right? And, I can, and I can just feel hopeless, Right? God, where are you? God, why is all this happening? And I forget. He's, he's rescued, already rescued me from the dominion of darkness. Because he forgave me of my sins, and now I have a promise of life eternal. On the day that I was saved, the day that you were saved, life began. And when we understand that, we will celebrate. I've said this in each service, but um, I, I do not like small spaces. I'm, I'm extremely claustrophobic. Put me in the elevator, you'll see a grown man cry. I've had a few friends that have tested that theory. Thank you very much. I don't like planes, right? So this means so much to me when I look at the dominion of darkness, being set free from something, right? You get this big man out of a small space, and I am dancing, right? I am excited. You get me out of an elevator, you get me out of... How much more would we be when we spiritually in our being understand the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus? So I have a couple questions as we close today. And then, you know, curious thing about you guys being the last service is you guys can spend some more time praying. Right? You guys can spend some more time praying for each other and just being in his presence. So question number one, will you commit to actively praying for the church? And I'm not just saying Emmaus. We covet your prayers. When you say, we have just continually been praying for you, we say, thank you and amen. We don't take that lightly. But we want you to pray for this church and the Big C Church. To be praying for government leaders, especially those you would not vote for. Be praying for safety and healing. Because it matters. Do it. And do it often. One of the things that we have, that our, our elders say as well, and we love... Um, that people come on Sunday morning, you know, lo love to see it. But we would love more that our prayer services would be packed, especially a time as this. Number two, do you need to hear the voice of the Lord? And we prayed for 
quite a few people in both services that just needed to hear from the Lord. King David prayed that prayer after a very difficult time of his life, committing adultery, committing murder, committing cover-up. And he said, Lord, give me a new heart. As a pastor, as a believer, just weeks ago I've had to have people pray for me for that. My heart's getting calloused. I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling like I'm not hearing God. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? If you need that prayer this morning, we would love to pray with you. And then lastly, in what ways is God calling you to live a godly life? Friends, this is such an important time to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It's such an important time to spread the gospel and be the gospel. And we just want to continue to encourage you. Um, when I close, the worship team is going to come up, and, and we're just going to marinate in the presence of God. And we're going to do what we've talked about today. We're going to pray. All right? If you need specific prayer, we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. Because we believe that when we come together as a church, it's an equipping service. Whether there was one of you, whether there was five of you, whether there was 5,000 of you, it all matters. Because what God will call you to do when you leave this place is amazing. There's communion in the back. and Take that. There'll be people who would like to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we just thank you for your words, for your truth. God, we thank you. It was just a month ago that we couldn't do this. God, we thank you. We lift up our brothers and sisters around the world that can't do this today, this way. May they not feel alone. May we not take for granted what we have. Father, for those that are feeling hopeless or maybe feeling that you're, you're far away, Holy Spirit, would you draw them close? As your word says, as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And I thank you that your word will never come back void. Father, as King David prayed, give us a new heart, a new spirit. And we say that we need that right now. God, give us a heart and a spirit that hungers for you greater than any and all things. Father, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.